Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode number 69 of a series that we are calling Leading Others to Christ. For those of you that have been listening and watching, that our focus on these interviews is on evangelism. I look back at the notes. We started this back in March of 2020 when all the COVID nonsense hit. And, and I talked to Matt Malden about helping us do this. And we wanted to find the, the Christians out there, the fellow workers, co-workers that are doing this. The preachers, the elders, the deacons, men and women that are involved in leading their family and friends to Christ in their various communities. And we wanted to find out who they are, where they are, how they do this work, how they set up studies, uh, what approaches they use. And honestly, for me, it's been, for the old guy in the room, it's been really exciting for me. And uh, a lot of the people I've never met in person. And uh, so I've made a lot of new friends and we've learned so much. And we've got a a lot of exciting things that we're going to be announcing here in a few weeks. But uh, a lot of new friends, a lot of new things. And We've really grown to appreciate the seriousness of this work. And uh, honestly, we hope to stir. And we, if you haven't been involved in leading others to Christ, hopefully you'd be motivated by our interview today to do that, to get involved. And uh, maybe you have been in the past and your fire's gone out. And we, uh, we want to try to get that fire going again. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana which is about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis. And I also serve as one of the elders. I'm passionate about the subject today. And uh, those of you that know me, you know this. And I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. And I always uh, try to bring this up because uh, I've always been impressed by what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, Commit these to faithful men, obviously, and women who will be able to teach others also. And then later on in the chapter, Paul is talking to Timothy and us about being useful for the master prepared for every good work. So that's the typical intro that I do. And we want to get started today. We're really excited. We have a sister in Christ with us today, Donna Howe. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. Yeah, great to see you. Great to have you with us. And I was thinking, I don't know if I should tell the story or you should of when we first met. You want you want to tell that? Maybe you'll remember. You I remember, do. You might I remember. Do. Okay. I went to Florida College in 1971 after I graduated, and. The next year, the 72-73 year, I was a cheerleader. You are Coach Barker to me, and you were the basketball coach, and you brought about six guys from the Kentucky team. And so we had so much fun. My, my best friends, Kathy Haven Ford and Denise Bell Kirkwood, and I were really went. They came to all the games and sat in the stands and cheered. And uh, then you... You and I think Connie, 
Cope and her husband um, and you and your wife started a church at uh, Eureka Springs. So my friends and I came there. And so I really enjoyed. There were so many big churches there my freshman year, but my sophomore year, I want to get back to the small church. Yeah, we have some history. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And didn't you do some secretarial work for me too, like a student assistant? Did you do that or? Who knows? That might have been, I had too much playing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Thank you so much for doing this today. And what triggered this, and we'll talk about it more later on, pod, your podcast, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Is that right? Did I say that, that was right? the episode number nine. Number nine, yeah. And when I saw that, I said, oh, I've got to call Donna and see if we can interview her. So again, thank you uh, for that. We always start every interview out with what we call the old elevator pitch or the the short bow and Tell us a little bit about where you were born, how old you were when you became a Christian. You've been married for a while. Tell us about that guy. I and, have. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm i from Mount Sterling, and uh, that's where I am now, back in Mount Sterling, Kentucky, uh, about 30 miles east of Lexington. And my parents were faithful Christians. I have a wonderful spiritual heritage. I have no excuse if I don't do, if I don't follow God. I had all of that. Went to FC, went to WKU, uh, Western, which is a lot of us did from Florida College. Went up to Western together. I became a teacher, taught grades one to eight, taught gifted education. I taught at Moorhead three years as the teacher in residence. All that was a good career for me. And uh, then I retired after my first year of teaching, or maybe, yeah, I met my husband, Gist, in a blind date. Our sisters decided we needed to meet, so we did. And at the time, he was a lot better person, really, than I was, (laughs) but he was not a Christian. And... uh, so I asked, as I always did, when I would date, I would go out with you one time. And after that, if you wanted to go a second time, you had to go. He, was, he would do that. So then I asked if we could study together. And he was starting to farm. He had just he went to Vanderbilt in UK in agriculture. So we studied, and he was a delight because if you showed it to him in the Bible, it was fine with him. And most studies don't go that way. So we married, and as we had children, we opened our home a lot and involved our kids a lot and their friends. And one particular friend Troy had was Dan Grantham, and so he wanted to take him to Hilton Head with our whole family, my sisters and all of us. So we took Dan along. He was not a Christian. He had been introduced to the truth uh, by my friend Kathy's son, I think Stephen. And uh, so when we go on vacation, we go to church and here we come, 19 or 20 of us, the whole family. And uh, he went with us. We had our devotions in the house, the beach house. And we had singings. And so through the years, when I look back, bringing other 
kids and teenagers into our home to see what it's like has been a real delight for us. And so Dan became a Christian. He now has triplets. He's a faithful Christian. I think he goes to Embry Hills. But most of our stories do connect with our friends and with others. Then I retired and started a blog when blogs were big. I like technology. And then started working with the ladies at church to really build a good, strong unit there. Ladies, we have to have our team around us, our cheerleading team, so to speak. And so I spent time doing that and building, helping build our kids' class program and things like that. So I'm just a plain person, really. Oh, you're certainly more than a plain person, but you, you touched on so many things there, which is great. Growing up in, I, I was going to look this up and I forgot to, but how many people, you have any idea how many people live in Mount Sterling now? It's small, but we're right. close to Lexington, so we have access. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's when, that's been one of the fascinating things about doing this podcast is that <clears throat> we've interviewed people from from New York City to Tampa, state of Washington to San Francisco, all over Texas. And the Lord's work is the same, but it's really different from the standpoint of what evangelism is like because of the community that the congregation and it's different. We've lived in in Kentucky, then we went to Louisiana, then we went to Florida, then we went mm-hmm. back to Kentucky, and then now we're in Indiana, and every place you go, it's different. And that's one of the challenges in evangelism. It's because maybe something that works in uh, small town Franklin or small town Mount Sterling would not work in in New York City or or vice versa. And I I think what's fascinating is your whole story of all the teaching. And and I've heard reports of you in the past what a good teacher you were and are. And I'm proud of you for that. But I think when we were talking the other day, you made a statement that I wrote down. Let's just jump on this right now. We were talking about things that work in evangelism. And you say, I know a lot of things that don't work. I do. Yeah. yeah. I started listening. Sometimes you have to work within your congregation. If you don't have peace and all of that, you can't really look out. But we were at a place where we were at peace. My husband is an elder now. He preached for several years. And so when I started listening, I think it was in the fall of last year. And the pandemic was waning, but still there. And um, I started listening. And I knew some of the people that you um, interviewed. And I didn't know some But I'm going to tell you, that touched me so much. And I would end a lot of those walking around with my headphones, taking my walk, and I would end in tears. And I just love conversion stories. And I was so touched by so many of these. And so I got this kind of passion about this is I'm going to get refocused. We need to look out more. And so I started, like you said, writing notes. In January and February of this year, I decided to go back and listen and get some of the tools that some of the people had talked about. They talked about what they use when they sit down. And I had a couple 
but I gathered four of the best from those that I heard from you. And, and my son had used one of those as well. And uh, I made a pack, put some things in there, a brochure about our congregation. And so when we had our ladies class, we have once a month in different homes and I passed those packets out and I'm like, here's some tools. So we can't say we don't have the tools if you need them. And uh, so then talking to guests, it's nice to be married to an elder if you have lots of ideas because he has to listen and our sweet preachers. So we decided that our theme was going to be this year, evangelism, sharing the good news. Good, good. And yes, and this is all due to your program. And then in January, we decided, our preacher decided, okay, we'll do one thing a month. He's not like me. I want to jump in and do everything at once, but he's wiser. And uh, so in January, we prayed and we had a meeting of what gifts calls the core, the people that show up, the pillars of the church that are, you always have that core in small churches, it's smaller, but we listened to ideas and shared and got some good ideas. And then in February, we did what we called build a bag. Downstairs, we just fixed a couple of tables, laid out some tools that you can use when teaching, Bibles. We got Bibles. We put in our brochure with a QR code that would take you to our website, those kind of things. And so we asked each person to share that bag with at least one person. And when we have a guest, we put some things in there. If they bring children, a little Bible storybook, coloring pages, and we can give that to them at the beginning of the service. And there they have their Bible and they have some things for their kids. So we did the little bag thing. Gist made a list and really started refocusing on some people that had been encouraging to come. But one gal, she sits with an older man at church and she had been to church, but she had two little ones. And of course, we say that. Fred, why don't you just have a study with her if she would? So when he goes to visit once a week now, she studies with him. So it, we all looked at different ways that we might approach this thanks to you, thanks to your program and all the people that have shared. Uh, March, we did a Bring a Friend, which I did my podcast about. April, two of our teachers, lady teachers, went to the public library and they said, can we have the meeting room? We have a nice, fairly new library. And they advertised and had a class for kids, a Bible class. And they did a craft. And so they're hoping to continue that. So that was cool. And we started adding clips of our sermons, how you put, we have the live stream and then we have the video, but we started adding just a little like 40 second clip. And I have some of, on our web page, on our church page, our church Facebook page. Okay. And in May, <clears throat> Sunday, we're having a singing and we've advertised it quite a bit in the paper and social media at Cane Ridge Meeting House, where the Great Revival was. And right. so we're hoping people will just want to come and just sing like they used to. Acapella singing in this place for things in mind, but that's, it's been great to just get some different ideas. Yes. Yeah. 
That that's fascinating. That's so good. And one of the things <clears throat> that I've noticed over the years is that, and I've mentioned this in a few of the podcasts, the role of women. And and certainly we understand in scripture, they in our public worship, the uh, restrictions that are placed there upon on women. And but there's nothing that restricts women from going out and leading others to Christ. And just the things that you were talking about with the ladies getting together once a month and coming up with ideas. And because Donna could set up a Bible study with a lady there in Mount Sterling that Dan Barker can never get a, a study with and uh, because they wouldn't feel comfortable. But I think that's one of the things that we're trying to do when we have the opportunity is try to stir the women up from the standpoint of realizing what potential that they have. Think about the ones that the school teachers, the parents, the the PTAs, I guess they still have those, but all the clubs and the things, the kids that are in and all the contacts. And I've had people say to me before, I had a sister one time say to me, I don't know anybody outside the church. And it was said in a prideful way. And anyway, we had to talk about that. And well, we're, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to all be out here shining our light and sowing the seed. But there's just a lot of learning that we need to do or re relearn about how to interact with people in the community. Because what I've learned is there's still a lot of people out there. They want to go to heaven and they want to know how to go. And nobody has sat down and talked with them perhaps ever. So thank you for that. What are the challenges just real quick on being the wife of an elder? How to, what, what challenges? Well, those? the challenges are for him. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but um, I like to have projects. I like to do things. He has, I see why the Lord made, women, made men the elders, because he has the patience, the wisdom to think things through where I would immediately jump in and I have before. And, but it's I like the relationship and a preacher's wife and elder's wife, any leader if you are a leader in your group, your church, the challenges and those people out there listening know the challenges. But I've found that just building relationships with the congregation, getting to know them, you've got to be in people's homes. You've got to open your home up. And the more you share those things, then when trouble does come, you can work through it. And trouble is going to come. It's a messy business because it's about people. And another thing I think is being transparent. I think when I just first started preaching, we'd been married like two and a half years. He was a brand new preacher. We look back and say, what in the world were we doing? But I think I thought I had to appear very perfect and a lot of stress because I wasn't. And over the years, I've learned absolutely not. I'm messed up. I'm broken. The Lord's patient with me. So now just learning to be transparent when we're sitting down with people who show some interest and say, look, I'm struggling with this or I did struggle with this. But it doesn't mean come as you are, stay as you are. But it means come as you are. We've been there. We're still struggling. And when people realized this, it took a big pressure off me when I could realize that I didn't have to appear perfect. You don't want to 
be living in sin and lead someone away. But let's just face it, this is what we are. And that's been a kind of big turnaround for me. I think that's so important for, for so many. I don't care what age. And it's fascinating. One time there, this was in a counseling session that I was a part of with a large group of people. And one of the sisters there, and we had an open forum type uh, setting. And she made this comment, Donna, and, and I want to just see your reaction to this. She said the the loneliest place that she goes during the week is to church. Oh, that's so sad. Isn't that sad? I mean, and you could hear that when she said that in the room, and it was, uh, it was a big crowd. It was just this groan. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people, when they come, the small talk, well, hey, Donna, how are you doing? And you say, oh, I'm fine. How are you doing? I say, I'm fine. When in reality, one of us might be dying inside, and we don't want to admit it. We don't want to bring it up. And mm-hmm. uh, so that transparent thing is so important. And I, I think that needs to be preached on and talked more about. And so we are not perfect. We don't put ourselves on a pedestal. And sometimes I think people have done that to the detriment of ever reaching anybody for Christ because people will see right through that. And anyway, I can talk a long time about that, but thank you for triggering that thought. But Matt's already given me the signal. We got five minutes to go. Believe that? Well, I have to do my conversion story. I was going to say, let's do that right now. (laughs) What is your conversion story? Like my daughter recently, she married a guy with two children and she was in the process of adopting a 12 year old who from our church, his great grandparents had been raising him in their 80s. I would say that all of this new family that she's been a part of has shown me that we're not the perfect family that you think of, but different family. And so that's been really exciting. But my story involves a lady called Alicia, and she was from Puerto Rico. And she had moved to New York and she was a banker, a very successful lady of Catholic background. And she lost her husband, of course, unexpectedly and very difficult time for her. So she went back to Puerto Rico and she was really depressed and even thinking of just dark thoughts of what she might do. And she was on her balcony, if I'm telling it correctly. And she met a lady there who said, come to our ladies Bible study in Puerto Rico. What could that have to do with me? Again, it's our family thing. Clark, my youngest son, had gone to church in Zephyr Hills when he was at FC and met, I think it's Jim and Anna Holt, who had recently moved to Puerto Rico to work with the church there. And the ladies told him about a lady who was coming to their ladies' Bible study, but she didn't want to come to church. And she was moving to Mount Sterling, Kentucky. And they had remembered Clark, who was very active there, and that he was from Mount Sterling, Kentucky. Now, this is the Lord working here. Yes. And so Clark got a hold of his dad because Clark was still down in Florida at USF. And Gis told them, yes, he called them or whatever and said, yes, we have ladies study. They have it once a month and they would love to have her. 
and my wife would love to pick her up and all of this. We didn't hear anything for a year or so. And finally, someone called us and said, she's ready. So I met her at our church building parking lot and she started going to ladies Bible class with us. And that, after a couple of years, Gist and I would go over a couple of times and want to talk to you about baptism, just read you the passages. Yeah, I'll think about it. I was picking her up in the church parking lot and I said, Alicia, you see this building right here? These ladies, and this is where this transparency and laying out who you really are in the ladies Bible class, she had been coming. So she knew the ladies. I said, the same people that come to our ladies class come right here on Sunday. Won't you come to church? She said, okay. So she started coming to church. So after another maybe year or so and listening to the Bible classes and the study, she was baptized. And of course, I was all weepy. But it's a team. That's my point is it's like a network. So you bring your kids up and you send them out. That's still your influence. And it's a network of families working together, your kids and all the people they meet, and then they go over the country. And that's why the Lord doesn't want us to keep them and hold them at home. We're preparing them to go out and be part of that chain. So she is, she speaks Spanish also. So we had a court day booth where we passed out things. It's our big festival where she wanted to be there in case any Spanish speakers came by then she could talk with them. Her daughter was visiting and we had gotten a brochure from Gardner Hall in Spanish, but I didn't know what it read in English. And I thought we should. So her daughter was visiting and she had her go to the library. She spent all day putting it back in English. And when she finished, she said, oh, I know a lot about baptism now. (laughs) Just from, so just the network and the way God works if we let him is amazing amazing. Wow, what a story. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm talking to somebody from Mount Sterling, Kentucky, and they, and they start talking about Puerto Rico and a banker yeah. in New York and, yeah, uh, yeah in a connection in, uh, in Zephyr Hills. And it's like, how does all that come together? And uh, you're right, it's, it, the Lord is at work. And that's just uh, fascinating. And, and that's why we need to keep hearing these stories, because it triggers thoughts. Who do we know that may, I, I might be able to plant a seed, but I might know you in Mount Sterling. And then I know somebody else in Mount Sterling and I try to connect you up somehow. There's just so many creative things that we can do if we just think outside the box a little bit. But that, that is so good. Listen, we're out of time, but we always end this. And I know you've listened to some of the podcasts, but with what I call one thing, and, and there's not one thing, but there's so many things, but somebody's listening to this and you've got, uh, there's a lady out there and, and you've got them excited. What would be one thing that you would tell, not just a lady, but tell anyone that's listening, what's one thing that they need to do or learn how to do to lead someone to Christ? I would say just show up. Somebody's having a singing at their home, show up. Maybe they're taking a friend. Maybe there's a neighbor there. You be there. Someone's planning a meetup. We've had those at Dairy Queen. Show up, just gospel meeting. Show up every night. Be be there early. Great people. 
no, somebody had a crazy idea here. Let's pass out Bibles at the grocery store one day and see if we can get some Bible studies. A few people show up. There's your core there, your pillars. But just be one of those. You don't have to plan things, instigate things. Just be there and support it. And if someone else is having success, you know, build them up and encourage them and we are a true sisterhood, us ladies, and cheer for your team, you know, support one another. I think Alicia coming into our ladies class, and we had all had such a core there that that was, if it hadn't been for that, I don't think she ever would have gone to church. Alicia and and all the, the ones that were involved in that. And how many other Alicias are there out there? You know? Mm-hmm. And they're everywhere. And and sometimes we're not looking with the right eyes. We're looking right past people that need Christ and we don't even recognize it at times. So listen, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, would you be willing to share contact information? Sure. Eight five nine. Okay. All right. Well, give your uh, husband a hug for us. And we appreciate what he does and what you do there in Mount Sterling and keep it up. You're just a kid. One thing that I have found, we've got a number of people in a new converts class. We've actually got 13 people in a new converts class. And uh, the oldest one is 72. We've got a 68 year old and we've got in the 50s. Anyway, what I'm learning as I get older, we always talk about the young people. With the young people need attention and uh, focus as well, but there's so many baby boomers out here that have never heard the gospel and what they grew up with. They did go to church, it's, it, they're, and as they're getting older, they're seeing their friends and their family and the obituary, and they're going to more and more funerals, and they're starting to get a little concerned about where their future is going to be. And we've uh-huh. just found a, a, a real opportunity even in the older community. And sometimes they're overlooked as well. So, but thank you so much. We love you. And I always proud of you. You just brought a smile to my face when I saw your podcast uh, the other day and tell the kids hi and tell everybody there in, in Mount Sterling hi. And uh, Lord, we'll get to see you sometime soon. Hope so. Love okay. you all. All right, thanks again.